Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Some students are tackling more than just their schoolwork, which is why more than 30% of them aren't graduating. But with a boost from you, 100% of them will have a better chance to make it to graduation. Go to BoostUp.org to find out how to give the high school students in your community the boost they need to make it through. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. License and registration. But I'm walking. Do you want to upset an officer of the law? No, sir. Good. I pulled you over today for littering. Uh, I didn't litter. (laughs) Wow. That's what they all say. Unfortunately, I saw you drop a pair of thunder thighs a few blocks back. Probably happened as you were biting into that apple you're holding. Uh, How'd you know they're my thunder thighs? Well, my young friend, I'd like to say two years in the police academy helped figure it out. But between us, it was smallstep.gov. Smallstep.gov. Yep, Rooney. It's this site with tons of easy ways to lose weight. Some steps are so easy, people don't realize they're doing them. Like you taking small step number 83, snack on fruits. Go to smallstep.gov, you'll see. You can drive off now. I'm still walking. Take a small step to get healthy at smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Violence, theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
up in the morning to you. This is your early morning gospel program. Morning inspirations here on Talk to You and Jam Radio. Morning scriptures coming from the 37th chapter of Ezekiel. First starting at verse 7, verse 11. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones became, became gathered together, came together, bone to his bone. And when I held, beheld, lo, this flesh came upon up upon them and covered them above there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the to, to the wind, prophecy. Say to the word to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain live, that may live. So I prophesied, and me. Breath came into them, lived, and stood up upon their feet. army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, bones are dry, and our hope is lost. We are cut off. Read to you the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, verses 7 through Word of God. That power in the name of that healing in the name of that salvation in the name of the Bible says that demons tremble at the sound of that name.
Good morning, Gospel Program. 
for inspiration. Turn now for our morning prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for waking us up early this morning, starting us on our way. Lord, we we lift up the families that lost their loved ones, the one in Minneapolis and the Baton Rouge. Lift the families up to you, Lord. Lift up those who caused them harm, Lord. Lord, maybe they caused harm on themselves. We don't know, Lord. Only you know. We pray for them. Pray for every family member who've been victims of time like this or worse. Father, we, we come for you as humbly as we possibly can. Pray for every African American man. Seem like they're being victims of such a crime. Lift them up to you, Lord. We lift them up to you, Lord. Nothing we can do but pray. Put it in your hands. What are we doing? believe, Lord, that black lives matter. I know you believe that souls matter. The health of every black male we lift up, we lift up, Lord, this prayer. Up the, the ones who are doing the killing. Asking you, Lord, to help to help us have in our hearts, Lord, forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Answering our prayers. Lift up the cities, Lord, who are visited by, by violence.
My question was, why are you here this evening? <laughs> if you had to, uh, on a pencil and piece of paper, write what you should be receiving from a service like this, what would you put down? Why has God chosen us to gather again and again like this? To hear God's word read. To sing these hymns again. To hear God's word preached, to hear the law and look at ourselves once again in the mirror of the word of God. What is it that God wants us to receive? Well, I would answer that this way. There should be surely two things that you get every time uh, you come to one of these services. Here's the first one. You should once again remember the depth of your need for grace. You should once again remember how what sin does to all of us. It is so easy for us to minimize our need. It's so easy for us to forget the ravages of sin. It's so easy to forget that although the power of sin has been broken, the presence of sin still remains. The other thing that you should get every time is the glory of God's provision in the Lord Jesus Christ. That there is no sin that is more powerful than His forgiving, delivering, transforming grace. And this passage that we're looking at is really that kind of passage. It points to the wonder of the provision that God has made in Jesus. In fact, if you look in your order of worship there at our passage from Mark 10, page 6 in your order of worship, or you look in your church Bibles at 846, you will notice that this passage is really bracketed by the cross. The cross begins the passage, the cross ends the passage. And what's in between is really an argument, a very pointed, clear, at some points, shocking argument for why the cross is necessary. Because you see in the life of the disciples, even though they're chosen ones, even though they've been following Christ, even though they've been in his school of discipleship, even though they've seen his power and compassion, you see a case study of what sin does to us. 
and you realize that there is no hope for us, there is no hope for these men apart from the power of the transforming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need the cross. We need the cross. Every day, your living argues for the necessity of the cross. And every day, in some way, all of us give empirical evidence that the cross of Jesus Christ is the only place for our hope. We find ourselves in this final movement of the Gospel of Mark, as Christ now physically moves toward Jerusalem. And he's followed by sort of two identified groups. One is the disciples, and then there's this looser circle of followers. And they're on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is walking ahead of them. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what he's going to. And it says, they were amazed, and those who followed him were afraid. I would argue that the disciples at this point are in a constant state of amazement. They, Jesus has just taken them beyond every category they have in life. Uh, his responses, his call, his message, his actions and reactions are just different than what they've known, different than what they've predicted, they would have predicted. Uh, and... Uh, as he is discipling them, he's teaching them the new culture and the new way of his kingdom. They're just astonished and amazed. And the ones who are following him are a bit afraid, but perhaps that's because uh, the crowd who's around Jesus would have, would have seen the scribes and Pharisees. They would have seen the way they're on the attack. They're trying to set up Jesus, they're trying to demonstrate that he's a fraud, uh, a charlatan, and untrustworthy. Uh, they're concerned about the growth of this gathering crowd. They're beginning to plot uh, his demise. And Jesus is heading to Jerusalem for the ultimate collision. He's heading right into the epicenter of the influence of the scribes and Pharisees. He's either crazy or suicidal or he's a man on a preordained mission. And what Jesus describes once again, the third time, is the suffering that is the epicenter of his reason for coming to earth. And as he describes this, now in greater detail than he's ever described it, before. He's not describing a defeat. He's not describing something that's in the way of God's plan. He's describing God's plan because in his trial, in his being mocked, in his torture, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, is the single place where the hope of the universe can be found. This one came to be the Lamb. And there's a way in which every movement from the very first verse of Mark has been moving toward this moment. This is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. This is the one who will give his life a ransom for many. This is the epicenter of the gospel. 
This is not just a great teacher. This is not just a compassionate man. This is not just a wise prophet. This is not just a holy man. This is the Lamb of God. And the Lamb who sacrificed every human being who has ever lived is in desperate need of. Now imagine if you're following Jesus. Imagine you hear him describe the terrible things that he's described. That he is actually going to be uh, tried in a travesty of justice. He will be condemned. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will do horrible things with this Son of God. They will mock Him. They will spit on Him. They will flog Him. And ultimately, they will crucify Him as a criminal. If you had been hearing that, what would have been in your mind? Or maybe, more importantly, what would you have said next? This is where... I just want to detail you this, this very, very clear picture of what sin does. And I want to pastor you for a moment before we look at that. I want to encourage you not to step away from this passage and say something like this to yourself. Dumb disciples. They never got it right. I'm glad I'm not like one of them. Because the Bible is very clear in saying that these characters in Scripture are people like us. That they sit as examples for us. That, that these moments provide mirrors for us so we could see ourselves as we actually are. I think I've said this to you before. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to repeat it. We want to think that no one has a more accurate view of us than we do. And that's why when someone points out a sin or failure or weakness to you, you get a little bit defensive and you activate your inner lawyer and you, you begin to marshal arguments for your righteousness. And, and so we need the mirror of the Word of God. We need to see these things. We need to pray that God would deliver us from these kinds of responses, sort of the universal things that, that sin does to all of us. Immediately upon Jesus talking about the horrible suffering he would face, James and John come to him and say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. How amazing is that? Jesus, we would like to hand you this blank page and have you endorse it. Now let me just detail five things that I think are important to see in this, to just lift out of this passage, and I want to make some other explanations of the passage. First thing that sin does is sin causes us to be incredibly discompassionate and insensitive to the plight needs of others. 
2 Corinthians 5.15 says that Jesus came so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. Uh, the DNA of sin is selfishness. Uh, we were meant to live in loving, worshipful community with God and loving community with our neighbor. And, and sin turns us in on ourselves. It's incredible at this point. The, the amazing lack of sympathy in the disciples, lack of as if they hadn't heard what Jesus just said about what he's going to face. It's an amazing moment. There's another thing that you see here. Teacher, we want to do you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Be humbly honest this evening. If Jesus would say to you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you answer? What would be the first thing on your list. Jesus, you could make my children easier to parent, my husband or wife more agreeable and compliant, my grass have less weeds, not grow as fast as it normally does. An amazing increase in my finances, physical health, predictable schedule. What would be your one thing? What's, a, what's amazing in this request of the disciples is not just its arrogance and outrageousness, but its utter lack of sense of what these men actually need. What they actually need, desperately need, that they're now proving that they need, is the very redemption that Jesus has come to offer them. They have no sense in this request of their spiritual need. No sense of how desperate their condition is apart from the work of this Jesus. And that enables them to make this incredible request. Sin loads us with self-interest. This is this request: grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Is has nothing to do with the plans and purposes of the kingdom of God. These are not men who are saying we want this position so we can exercise more influence and spread this beautiful message of. Redemption around the world. That's not what it's about. This is kingdom of self stuff. This is desire for prominence, desire for position, desire for power, desire for that special place. It's, it's that meism that sin produces 
in all of us. What would be your one thing? As Jesus then says, and I'll come back to this, guys, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, Are you able to drink the cup that I will drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? What is the response of these men? Without a thought, we are able. The, the pride, the incredible self-confidence of this moment. Again, uh, no sense of their own vulnerability and weakness. No sense of the lameness that sin leaves us with. No sense of no thing you see here. When the ten hear, verse 41, of the request of James and John, they're angry. Know why they're angry? Because James and John got to Jesus first. They're angry at the thought that these two guys would get an advantage that they didn't get. Here's what all this means again. It's so important to remember that sin pushes me to the center of my world, the one place where I must never be. Sin really does make it all about me. Sin does load me with with self-interest, with pride, with jealousy. Jealousy is about I deserve and you don't. And all of those things argue that we need rescuing grace. Here's why. These are conditions of the heart. I cannot deliver myself from these things. It's these things in my heart that make me a lawbreaker, that make me want to write my own rules, to be a sovereign over my own life. And because of those conditions of heart, I am not able to escape my own sin. I'm not able to live in a way that's pleasing to God. I stand in desperate need of His rescue. And I'm amazed as I read these passages of the patient grace of Jesus. I mean, he actually has with these men a very loving, a very instructive, a very patient conversation that leads them from where they are to where they need to be. What incredible grace. Look, if you would, at verse 38. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? 
Well, the answer to that is no, you're not able. That cup and that baptism are used in Scripture to talk about the suffering of Christ. And there's a way in which the disciples were not going to be part of that suffering because there were elements of that suffering that were absolutely messianic. They were absolutely reserved for Jesus. On the other hand, he says, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Guys don't understand. Rather than being princes and dukes in my kingdom, Rather than this life of prominence and rulership, by grace I'm calling you to suffer. Jesus will say later, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And he says, look, position in my kingdom not about the politics that you play. It's not about what you have earned. It's about the sovereign plan of God. This kingdom operates according to Jesus calls the twelve together. And let me just read for you the last few verses. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says this, you've got this whole thing wrong. This kingdom that I've called you to be part of does not operate the way the kingdoms of this world operate. It's not, again, about prominence and power and possessions and uh, your pleasure as a result of all those things. Here's what you're called to. You're called to be a slave. Think about that. There is nothing in the life of a slave that he determines. Every aspect of the life of a slave is determined by the will of another. Every aspect of his life is a picture of dependency on another. Everything all the boundaries of his life are set by the rules of another. All of his energies are lived for the success, glory of another. There's a way in which the whole life of a slave is expending personal energies for the sake of another. Here's what Jesus is saying. It will never be about you. It will never be about you. It's about me. It's about my plan. It's about my glory. It's about my grace. It's about my kingdom. 
And I've called you to lay down your will, lay down your way, lay down your plan, lay down your dreams for you, and to find joy in every aspect of your life being dictated by the will of another. Do you find joy in that? That God lays claim to every aspect of my life. He lays claim to my mentality, my emotionality, all of my gifts, all of my relationships, all of my possessions, all of my private and public moments, all my moments of leisure and work, all of my joys, all of my sorrows, all of the things that make up the life of Paul Tripp, he lays claim to. The rule of his kingdom is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in order for that to happen, my will must die. That's what his grace is doing. His grace comes to release you from your bondage to you, from your slavery to your own will. so that you would find joy in the thing for which you were created. You would find joy in living in every moment of your life, public and private, for the sake of His glory, for the furtherance of His kingdom, for the success of His will. That's the kingdom I've called you to. You get it all wrong, boys. And I think we do too. We can turn the message of gospel to a system of theological always rightism that is about the pride of knowing somewhere the glory of the Savior is lost in that because it's about human glory. And I can argue you in the corner because I know more than you and I feel the buzz of having, doing, having done that. That pollutes the gospel of the kingdom. We can think that because we are uh, seeking to live inside of God's boundaries, because by His grace He's taught us things about how we are to live, that we're better than other people. And this message of grace can end up being a message of condemnation. Church can be a place where people seek power and prominence rather than the life Here's rules the way of this kingdom, my will. And you find joy in the daily, moment by moment, every place in your life, service of the plan, purposes, will, glory of another. Listen, that will only happen in the lives of self-serving sinners by means of transformation. Jesus ends by saying, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve 
and give his life as a ransom for many. Even I have not come. To escape suffering, I have come to suffer. I have come to do the will of my Father, that will formed before the foundations of the world. I would be the Lamb. I would give my life ransom. Would you find joy praying this evening? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here, right now, marriage. Right here, right now, in my finances. Right here, right now, in my thoughts. Right here, right now, in my desires. Right here, right now, in my relationships. Right here, right now, with my gifts. Right here, right now, with my parenting. Right here, right now, with my career. Right here, right now, at my university. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's where transforming grace is. Finally delivered from our own sovereignty. Find joy in every area of our life being submitted to the will of the King of Kings. Lord, although the disciples were unique in their calling. They surely are not unique in their struggle. Look into the mirror of the responses of these men and we see ourselves, and in seeing ourselves, we we celebrate, again, your willingness to come. You who could or call 10,000 angels to deliver you from any suffering, you were willing. There was no other way. Lord, may we open our hands to you. May we open our hearts to you. May we say with open hands and open hearts, your kingdom come, your will be done earth as it is in heaven. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
on Jam Radio 2.1. Let it be. 
morning. It's the early morning gospel program. Morning inspirational to news, boys. And I am not ashamed. Good morning to you and yours. And thank you for listening. Tune in and downloading us. We are Jam Radio 2.1. Morning inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. Uh, on Sunday. On Nation Talk, we're gonna talk. We're gonna to talk about those two shootings that was going on, um, both in uh, Baton Rouge and the one in I believe it was in Minnesota. We're gonna talk about that and some other subjects as well on Nation Talk on your your Sunday evening forum. Nation Talk, I have a lot to say <laughs> on on that on those on that on that. So check us out. Here's with Matissa and Tommy Mack. Good morning.
Listen's Morning Inspirations on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, right here. W Mind Block Radio. Turn it up.
But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night. And feel unstuck. Because she'd finally hear someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 
Blessings are not always financial. But the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, The blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable, us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family whole, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. Blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away. Looking for a lift? Experience a sea from the sore with Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia. One night I saw an old friend who was so lit up that I could read by him. He was staggering from car to car and I asked, are you lost? No, he mumbled, but my car is... There are many like him who are lost, and they won't admit it. If you have wandered away from the Lord, you're lost. But you don't have to find him. He has come to find you. You're no further than one step from him. That one step is turning around. When you turn around, you find yourself in the arms of Christ, who loves you and longs to save you. Turn around now. For your free copy of Dr. Guido's Daily Devotional, Seeds from the Sower, write The Sower, Metter, Georgia, 30439. Visit us on the web at thesower.com.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on a cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. 
I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, you are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to Him, come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How can I say thanks for the things you have?
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.